joining us on this Lord's Day. Hey, Larry, glad to have you back there. Glad to have you. Uh, don't forget, you can contact us through email. The email is office at lakegibsonumc.com or pastor at lakegibsonumc.com. You can check for any updates that may be coming about, events coming forward on the webpage, lakegibsonumc.com. Also, we have a Facebook page. You may check the Facebook page. They're there. Please share your Facebook or your YouTube page or, or even the website with others. Uh, every time we get a like, we get a comment, we get an emoji off of Facebook, they push that to a little bit more people or to other people. So we have the chance as we're doing that to uh, enlarge our audience, if you will, to let some other people see what's going on here at Lake Gibson. So please continue to do that. Don't forget that we can't do the love in action here. Remember love in action, for those who may not know it, was, was where we drew the envelopes and you would go out and you would do something showing God's love in some way, come back and tell us the next week. While we can't do that in person because of COVID and other things, you can still do it on your own. And we encourage you to continue to interact with the community, with the family and friends and those that you see that are in need and continue to, uh, to help them in any way you can. Remind you about masks, even though some people are getting the first shots, and I saw where Senator just caught COVID after he got the second shot. So we we need to be careful. We want to continue to wear masks, continue to hand sanitize, continue social distance, and all of that stuff, please. So continue that while we're going on. Also remind you that if you're on YouTube or if you're on the webpage or, or Facebook, uh, at 11.30, you can join us Zooming the Peace, where you can see your family and friends and the other people, the members of the congregation. You can see them and interact with them and, and talk with them. That's at 11.30. To get there, just go to the webpage and click on Zooming the Peace, and it will take you there. I lead a Bible study every Thursday at 1 p.m. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And if you would like to join us on that, it's the same link every week. But if you don't have it, if you will let Christy know, call her or email her at office at lakegibsonumc.com. She'll email that link to you. Again, you just click on that link and you'll come into the Bible study at 1 p.m. on Thursday. For those of you at home, next week is a communion Sunday, so I remind you, you may want to, this week, think about having your bread and your juice ready for next week. If you're watching online and this is the first or second time you've ever watched us or if you have never filled out a connection card, if you'll go to our website, LakeGibsonUMC.com, notice how that just keeps running through the theme, LakeGibsonUMC.com. If you'll go to our website and fill that connection card out, there's a list there of uh, charities such as the American Red Cross, Kidney Foundation, and others. If you will fill that connection card out, we'll give $10 to the charity of your choice that you click there in your name. So invite you to fill that connection card out, if you would. Today is a fifth Sunday. And remember, in the United Methodist Church, what that means, it's a fifth Sunday for the United Methodist Children's Home. And it used to, when we were able to meet in person and have the kids here, we had the change that they would shake. If you brought your change, just put it in the collection plates. Uh, Sue's been notified. We will count all change as going to United Methodist Children's Home. If you want to give to the children's home, you can write that on the notation of your check. You can put it on your envelope. You can go online if you're at home, and there's a way online there at website that you can give also to the children's home. They do wonderful work. And I believe we have a video about them, don't we, David? 
Christy. So here's a video about the United Methodist Children's Home before I pray. I'm Rebecca Best. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, and my role here at the Children's Home is as a child and family therapist. I work with the children in individual therapy, as well as in a group setting and sometimes with families, either to help them with an adoptive home or to go back to their family. They may have experienced running away or homelessness, physical or sexual abuse, or even acting out sexually or behaviorally on their part. And many times it means they've been through several different placements before they come here. When I first came here, I was struggling with my behavior. She made the treatment plan where it was good, where it's in my grasp, instead of putting it way out there and she has helped me with uh, getting a relationship with God. I, like, it actually meant something to me because one day I just got on my knees and I said, what am I doing wrong? And then it helped me out. It's like God was actually answering to me. What I'm looking forward to is being a good person when I grow up and getting adopted. Um, I've seen God at work through the children's home just in the, everyday interactions with the kids. The smiles on their faces, their um, willingness to get back up and work through it again. To see the fact that they can change and that they can move forward and, and, and to know that they're our future and if they can overcome the things that they have, I know we can do well. Thank you for, for your support and your donation and most of all your prayers. Amen, and we do thank you. Uh, did you see the kids riding the bicycles there? That's bicycles this church has given. We've given the bicycles to the children's home for the last three or four years and repaired them. Uh, that's some of your work at hand. Uh, the children's home, they have roughly somewhere between 90 to 100, depending on uh, different things, in Deltona present. Plus, they have another 12 to 15 in horse therapy in Madison. Plus, they oversee, I think it's three foster counties and they have about 400 kids in their foster care please so they're doing a good work so please support them all that you can yes you can you can give them a hand give them a like if you're on facebook they do great work uh they're one of the best uh, children's homes out there in the nation and we thank them for it for what they do so let's go to god in prayer now and prepare our hearts to worship father we come before your throne of grace this day and we thank you Thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Thank you that we can come together. And wherever we are, whether it's in the sanctuary, sitting at home, or in a hotel room, or wherever it may be, we bow before you. And we just give you this sacred space right now. And just ask that you just speak to us this day. Move in our hearts. Move in our minds. Move in us in such a way that we truly worship you from the core of who we are. And give you the praise you deserve. And as we do... Scripture says you inhabit the praises of your people. As we pray. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and hit like. Aren't they great?
Oh. Uh, did did y'all realize that the song, the first song we sang, Still Rolling Stones, that it's going along with the sermons, but it also dated us. You know, it talked about seeing correctly, which we've talked about. It talked about coming alive. But it said that you put the song on vinyl. Half these new people don't even know what vinyl is. <laughs> you and I do, don't we? Vinyl's making a comeback, by the way. Uh, the vinyl records are making a comeback. That's they found out that they're still pretty good if you can get the right needle. How many of y'all, anybody besides me remember how to change the needle? You remember you had three records, a 45, a 78, and a 33? And then you had the little adapter that you had to use. But Hey, I want to give a shout out to some of those online, like Cindy Heisman, Karen Acor, Dick Lammy, and 17 others, Ann Needland, Sandra Linville, uh, also we know her as Sandy Stanfield, Linda Thacker, and... Others on here, Michelle McCaskin from South Carolina. Welcome, we're glad you're here. And Michelle, we're glad to hear Dan's doing better. Thank you. Amen. You, amen. Well, th thus far this year, this is a test. Let's see, who do I need to pick on? Uh, Larry, you want me to pick on you? No, Larry don't want me to pick on him. What have we talked about this week, uh, or this year? That's only four Sundays, by the way. So far, this is the fifth one. We've talked about, we've explored how God was ready, willing, and able to heal us, to touch us, to forgive us. We talked about and felt God's touch through the baptismal waters. We talked about his spirit working in our hearts and lives and how he came and, and talks with us and changes us. We've discovered that revival, true revival, has to start within the church, within God's people, not out among people who don't know God. It needs to start with us. I started showing you how the whole scripture kind of fit together. And we started first with the story of blind Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus, both having a sight problem. One couldn't see physically with his eyes. One couldn't see for the people around him and how they had to get above where they could see Jesus. And how that was the story, the last events that happened just before Jesus walked into Jerusalem that last week. And I asked this question, was Luke trying to tell us through that that we need to open our eyes to the reality of what Jesus did that week? What he did on the cross? What the empty grave means to you and I? And then last week we talked about a conversation that uh, Nicodemus had in John chapter 3. You know that very well, John three sixteen, That whosoever will may come to God. And how Jesus put that into practice, into an example in John 4 as he went to the woman in Samaria at the well. So we've seen thus far that revival takes open eyes and a faith that's focused on Jesus Christ. And we've seen that revival is for all people and it may take us where we may not expect to go at times. Keeping with that theme and kind of keeping revival in the back of the mind and, and the whole story, let's look at John chapter 7 today. We'll start there. John chapter 7, verses 1 to 9. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He did not wish to go about in Judea because the Jews were looking for an opportunity to kill him. Now the Jewish festival of booths was near. So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may also see the works you're doing. For no one who wants to be widely known acts in secret. 
If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. And Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. But your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I testify against it that its works are evil. Go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going to this festival. For my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. So we've got this story going on here. Jesus' brother said, hey, if you're so great, if you're such a, if you're such a fantastic prophet, if you're really sin of God, why don't you go up to the festival and just work your miracles and let your disciples and everybody see you? And Jesus says, no, I'm not going. Well, let's talk about this festival of booths, Sukkoth is what it's called in the Jewish. Now let's, let's talk about this for just a minute because we need to see what happens during this festival to understand where I'm going. Uh, it's one of the required holidays where if you're within traveling distance, they require the male Jews to go. And this particular holiday, they go up to Jerusalem to the temple. They stay there for eight days. They build booths. They kind of camp out, if you will. They build shelters out of uh, palm branches and other things. And it's in celebration and remembrance of God providing for them as he brought them out of Egypt into the promised land. Okay? That, that's what it's all about. It's about reminding how God gave them the manna to eat in the wilderness, how God gave them the water from the rock, how God guided them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And during this festival also, they pray that God will give them the rain that they need for the harvest that will come next growing season, if you will. And we read that the brothers went up, but Jesus didn't go. And he said he wasn't going to go. But then, apparently, he changes his mind. John chapter 7, verse 14. We read this, I think. About the middle of the festival, this is an eight-day festival, so fourth or fifth day, Jesus went up to the temple, and he began to teach. Notice where he went. He went to the temple, the religious establishment and it began to teach and the Jews were astonished saying how does this man have such learning when he's never been taught he didn't go to school he didn't go to seminary he didn't go to these places and yet here he is teaching and he's smart in a way they're not familiar with another place in scripture it says Jesus taught with authority unlike the religious rulers uh, now, we learn, if you read the rest of this chapter, which we're not going to read all of it, but the Jews, they don't, the Pharisees, I should say, the religious leaders, they don't like that. Here's somebody showing them up. So they start looking for ways to get rid of him. In fact, one of the accusations that they have against him is found in John 7, 23 and 24. And this is the discourse Jesus is having with the Pharisees when they accuse him. And he says to them, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath in order the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because I healed a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Now, they're coming after Jesus for healing a man back in chapter 5. You see how you've got to kind of put some of this stuff together? Back in chapter 5, there was a lame man laying by the pool of Siloam. We, we know that. Not in John. That pool's named in Matthew, I believe it is. But he's laying there, and Jesus walks up, and Jesus says, can you get well? Remember the story? Well, well I don't have anybody to put me in the water when the Spirit comes over the water, so you've got to be the first one in to get healed. And Jesus said, well, do you want to get well? Take up your mat and walk. 
and it was a Sabbath. Well, because it was Sabbath, it's illegal, according to Jewish custom, to pick up your mat and walk with it, number one. It's also illegal to heal on the Sabbath because both of those things are work. They're considered labor. And so they're condemning Jesus for this, and Jesus is saying, wait a minute, you'll circumcise a baby on the eighth day because Moses said it has to be done on the eighth day, and if the eighth day falls on the Sabbath, you'll do it on the Sabbath because you don't want to break the law of Moses, but you're confusing me because I healed somebody? So this is where it goes. Now, you know that made the Pharisees mad. It upset them. So that's what's going on. Then we have the last day of the feast. Now, we have to know this because it's going to fit into the rest of the sermon. The eighth day of the feast was a special, special day, a special celebration. What they did is the priests from the temple, they had basically a big parade, okay? They would take a golden urn and an urn of wine. They would go down to the pool of Siloam. Remember, that's where the man was healed. They would dip the water up out of the pool of Siloam in the golden urn, and they would take the, that water and the wine back, having a pomp and circumstance party, if you will, back to the temple where they would pour the water and the wine out on the altar. The only time water ever touches the altar. And they did it asking God to bless them, to give them the water they needed to produce the fruit that would give the wine. So, so you see what's going on here. So they have done, they have carried out this event, if you will. And then John 7, 37 and 38, we read this. Now you've got to know the setting when Jesus said this because that makes a whole lot of difference to it. On the last day of the feast, this is when they had this event I just talked about. That great day while Jesus was standing there after they had done what they had just done, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. He's saying this after they've just poured the water and the wine on the altar. As scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Okay, of course, to the Jewish priests that were there, to the preachers of the day. Oh, this is blasphemy. How can he do that? We just poured the living water on the... Yeah, go ahead and laugh. <laughs> this is what they did. You know, so they, they get really upset. Now, the temple has its own police force, if you will. And so the priests say to the temple guards, go and arrest him. Well, they go to get him, but Jesus is teaching, and they hear such teaching they've never heard. They go back to the priest, and the priest say, where is he? Man, this guy teaches unlike you. We ain't arrested him. So, you know, that made them mad, right? All right. So they're going to figure out something to do. Now, let's see what happens next. And watch what Jesus does, and remember the living water and what he does with it. Picking up in John 7, 53, going through 8, 11. Then each of them went home. This is after the guards said, hey, we're not going to arrest him. While, Je uh, while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, do you remember what he does on the Mount of Olives? He goes there and he prays with his disciples most nights, remember? 
Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and he began to teach them. Don't you know that made them Pharisees mad? Well, they've got a plan. The scribes and the Pharisees, they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, remember that's the law Jesus told them they kept with the circumcision. In the law of Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Well, that's not exactly true. If you go back and read Leviticus, they're supposed to stone the woman and the man, and they're supposed to only stone them if, if she was a virgin and something happened and there was some other punishment for some other things, but they were supposed to be very severely... Um, what word do I want? Severely chastised, okay? Verse 6, they said this to test him so they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Okay, now let's stop right there for just a moment. Here's some of the things going on. They've just brought the law of Moses to Jesus again because he accused it, them of, of keeping it at the other place. Uh, notice some of the things that this woman was caught in adultery, but it's only the woman that shows up. I wonder where the guy was. I wonder if he was one of the ones standing there and describes with a rock in his hand, or maybe his best friend was. I, I, I don't know. Um, and notice this, it, it doesn't tell us, but it says she was made to stand in front of them. I wonder if they even let her have clothes. That's just me wondering. They were trying to abase her to the best of their ability, I'll guarantee you. And remember this, the Jews don't have the authority to kill anybody. Remember what they had to do with Jesus? They had to take him to Pilate. Remember? You know why they had to take him to Pilate? Because only Rome could have somebody put to death. So, really, Jesus could have come back here, hey, um, we're not allowed to put anybody to death. You don't want to throw any stones. But if he had done that, he would have been denying the law of Moses. So he's kind of between a rock and a hard place and they think they've got him caught. He's either going to make Rome mad by what he tells them to do or he's going to make them and the Jewish people mad because he's going to disobey the law of Moses. So, See, they thought they've got him caught. Well, what does he do? Nothing. Silence is the better part of discretion and valor sometimes. He just stays quiet, it says. It says he bent down and he was writing in the sand. Now, going on in verse 7... It says they kept questioning him. In other words, he won't answer them, so they just keep badgering him. Sounds like a five-year-old, doesn't it? Mommy, can we go? Mommy, can we go? Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this yet? Is it time to eat ice cream yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like they're badgering, but they keep questioning him. So he straightens up and he says to them, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Notice what he did. He didn't discount the law of Moses. He just put it back on him. And he said, anyone who is without sin, you go ahead and throw a stone. And once again, he bent down and he wrote on the ground. Got a question. Well, let's go on first nine. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. I wonder, when he said that, what was he writing on the ground? You know, and we don't know, but 
here's what my mind tells me. He looked around and saw the people there and he wrote Cletus, greed. Uh, Billy Joe, gluttony, you had that third helping of that barbecue the other night. Uh, Clyde, I know what's on your computer, pornography and lust. Or Paul, man, you are so prideful. Or Bobby Joe, the rumors you've been telling about your boss that aren't true. Tommy, you just an outright lying, son. You never tell the truth. Jimmy, well, drugs and alcohol. And I just wonder, did the stones drop one by one as he started and maybe wrote their name and wrote their sin and they could see it? And they... But notice what they do. They slink off without a word. They just kind of get the heck out of Dodge. Get away from him. He knows too much. You know? Now, now think about something with me. This woman was caught in adultery. The law of Moses, Scripture, the Bible, the Old Testament says you ain't supposed to do that. And if you do, there's, there's a price you're going to pay. Okay? Religion. Religion, which is what the Pharisees had, gives you a set of rules that says this is what happens and this is what must be done because you're wrong. Notice Jesus didn't buy into that. She was caught in the act. There was no denying it. The punishment was there. Religion offers us the rules of do's and don'ts, but Jesus offered us more. Look what he did. Jesus offered this woman grace, not judgment. Now, that doesn't mean he accepted what she did as okay. But he offered her grace, not judgment. And as Bonhoeffer says, grace is not cheap. Think about this. Grace cost Jesus his life on a cross. The grace that he shows this woman here may be part of what urged the Pharisees to have him crucified on that last week. Continuing with the story, Jesus straightened up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Notice how he put that. Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Then neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, sin no more. Notice what he did. He didn't make light of her sin. He didn't say it wasn't a sin. He didn't say it's okay. All he said was, I don't condemn you, or maybe we could put it, I forgive you. Now go and don't do it again. He offers her a mulligan, a second chance, a do-over. Or the way I like to see it, he offers her a transformation that she can change. He'll still roll that stone away. Not only the one in his grave, the one they were going to cast at her. He rolls it away. And you know what? The same thing happens today. A drug dealer comes to Jesus. Guess what? He can't sell drugs no more. A pimp comes to Jesus. Guess what? They got to get out of the business. They got to go find a new profession. A thief comes. What am I going to do now? I can't steal from people. I got to go and be different. Wow. This woman comes. This woman has to go and do something different 
if she was a prostitute the way they talk. Now, this is not in Scripture, but I found this very interesting. We don't have a name here, but a pope named Pius in roughly 561 A.D. came up and he says that this woman is Mary Magdalene. He also says that this is the priest and this is his thinking. I can't prove any of it, but it's interesting when I think about what happens. He says this woman was Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is the same woman that sits at Jesus' feet that her sister is Martha and her brother is Lazarus. And he says she's the same woman that anoints Jesus' feet at the table of Simon, pours the alabaster oil on it, and dries him with her hair. And we know for a fact that Mary Magdalene is one of the ones that went to the tomb and that Jesus showed himself to. And she was a supporter of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus. Think about this. If this woman that was caught in adultery was Mary Magdalene, what kind of a change did Jesus have in her life? Look at where she came from and where she came to. To where she's a follower of Christ one of the inner circle, if you will, a witness for Christ, one of the first ones to see him, to touch him after his resurrection, and one that went about telling others about Christ the rest of her life as far as we know. Wow. Maybe we need to start offering grace and forgiveness more than we do rules and regulations. Maybe we need to actually look for sinners to come in the door so that they can feel acceptance and they can feel forgiveness and they can feel love and they can then be changed, transformed. Godly revival will cause us to act with grace and forgiveness to those that are on the outskirts, if you will. Perhaps our churches, our Zoom calls, our functions, our parties should be full of the grace of God and not condemnation. You know how it is back Remember back when we had regular church before all this COVID and all this stuff like this? Somebody could walk in and, did you see how short that dress was? Oh, you've been there, huh? Or, man, look at all them tattoos he's got. Or, his hair is longer than mine. Of course, anybody's hair is longer than mine, but still. (laughs) You know, we're quick to judge sometimes. Or, hey, that's Johnny. The drug dealer in here. What's he doing here? Maybe we need to check our attitudes and see how we welcome people. After all, didn't God offer grace and forgiveness to us? Think about Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Now, One of the reasons I'm Methodist is because of John Wesley. John Wesley has this way of, of we call it, taking two different uh, issues and putting them together with an and. It's not either or, it's and. Justice and mercy. Justice may demand one thing, but we offer mercy through the grace of God too, and that demands something else. We don't just forget about the sin but we try to teach people how to transform themselves. And transformation doesn't happen overnight sometimes. Think about it. You're in a situation, 
you've got kids by somebody else and you come to Jesus Christ and I'm supposed to end this relationship. Well, wait a minute. You got some kids you got to think about that have to be taken care of. You know, sometimes these things get thorny. They get complicated. But God has a way of working it out. We don't forgive everything. We don't overlook everything. But we don't judge and condemn and put people under our thumb either. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God you want to serve. That's the kind of God we want to offer you, whoever you may be, and tell you, come on into this sanctuary. Call us. Get online. Talk to us. Let us tell you how great God is and how much he loves you. How great is our God? Let's go to him in prayer. Father, I thank you for your message this day. I thank you for the grace that you offer each and every one of us. Even if we're sitting in this church and if we've been here 50 years even, you could write in the dirt right now our name and something that we've got that we shouldn't have. You, you could write our name down there. You could put mine down there. You could put all the preachers there and, and you know what's going on. Forgive us for holding judgment over people's heads and help us, help us, Lord, has, has another parable says, help us to look at the speck in our eye and not the log that's in someone else's. Help us to offer forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Help us to offer that living water to people the way you offered that living water to this woman. And she drank it. And not only was she not thirsty again, she now celebrating with you in heaven. We praise you for that. We ask in your name. Amen. The praise team would come as they lead us in How Great Is Our God with Chris Tomlin at this time. So praise team, if you would come now and lead us, I'll pray at the end. By the way, while they're doing this, you have an opportunity at home to send us your prayer request or praises so that Christy has him when it comes time for us to pray. Amen. Thank you, Lego Praise Team. Give them a like. Give them a great hand. They're great, but God's greater. <laughs> I remind you that if you would help support this ministry, you can do so by sending your offerings and your tithes to Lake Gibson UMC, 424 West Daughtery Road, Lakeland, Florida. You may be seated if you're in the sanctuary. Uh, you can also go to our website, LakeGibsonUMC.com. There's a link on there where you can give a one-time gift. You can set up repetitive giving, or you can even give by text, and that text number is there, 833-758-0308. So now I hope you've sent in your prayer requests. So, Christy, could I have those prayer requests? Barbara Ellen Cole, please pray for her mom, Elsie Ann Lithgow. She has been ill. Okay, Barbara. And, Barbara, you've got some more procedures coming up too, don't you? So I want to continue to pray for Barbara too. Pray for her friend, Richard Ferguson. This is a friend of, of my sister's best friend's husband. He's on a vent from COVID at the present time. Please pray for Richard and Ann Moore. This is Sarah Sheeman's daughter's brother-in-law and wife. They have COVID. Uh, one of them is in the hospital. Is the other one still out? Yes, okay. But we want to pray for that one. Larry, it's Larry LaPriere, L.A. Uh, is Lonnie Brady's brother. He passed away from COVID. 
in Arizona Friday, so we want to pray for the, the family there. Dick Shepard prayers for Cousin Gail Shepard that had a triple bypass on Friday. Linda Thacker, a beautiful Sunday morning prayers for all who are battling COVID. Michelle McClaskin, I update Dan is better and home need continue prayers for healing. So we want to continue to pray for Dan McClaskin uh, in, prayer, in his recovery. Prayers for a friend, Delbert's mother, who's in the hospital, needs an endoscope, but not mentally capable of giving permission. He's trying to do it all over the phone, for he's not allowed to go to the hospital because of COVID. We know what that's like, don't we? Uh, it's causing a lot of stress in their household, and I can imagine that. So we'll pray for them. Janet asking us to pray for her cousin, Johnny Tolson, who has cancer and is having difficulties with the treatment. Is that all you have, Christy? I have a couple of more. Uh, Betty Fisher, want to continue to pray for her and her family as she goes through her chemo. Dale Gower has recovered as he's recovering. Uh, Jerry Stanfield uh, has he and Sandy walked through this this uh, sickness that they have. Want to continue to pray for the, our new administration and the president. I want you to pray for people who have to move during this COVID time, moving either because. Uh, they're sick and they want to be near family or maybe moving into assisted living or maybe moving because they've lost their job and they're changing jobs. But it's a difficult time for them to have to transition in, in these areas. I also want to pray for those that have spouses and family members that are dealing with dementia, Parkinson's, and those things that um, go out like that where, where sometimes their family member just doesn't recognize him. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, as we come before your throne of grace, we first do so praising you for the mercy and the grace that you have shown each of us. I praise you that we say a psalm that reminds us how great you are, God. How you are a God of mercy and forgiveness, a God of love, a God of second, third, fourth, and even fifth chances. A God that chooses to remember our sin as long as we repent and come to you. Thank you, Father, for that. Lord, that, that living water that you talked about, that living water that brings hope, that brings revival, stir it up on the inside of each of your believers. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up so much that nothing else can fit in us. But that living water, and that living water, may it gush out so that any filth that tries to get in, the backflow of the water coming out just pushes it out of our system and away from us. And we radiate your love, your mercy, your grace, and your kindness. Lord, you've heard the requests this day that have been listed. Those that are sick. Those that have loved ones that are in the hospital. Those who have lost loved ones to not only this COVID, but to other diseases. And, and you know those on our minds that weren't mentioned, but you know them. Undertake for them as only you can. For our caregivers for our first responders, for our nurses and our doctors and our ICU uh, people that are administering this vaccine and taking care of those who are sick. Give them the strength they need, the wisdom they need to be able to do this in a manner where we can be uh, have the immunization as quickly as possible and that they can take care of those that are sick. Give family members hope. Now as we come to you, as we leave this day, we ask you fill us with your love and that living water we ask in your name. Amen.
I'll remind you, if you're online, you can jump over to the website, and uh, they'll be Zooming the Peace at 1130. Next Sunday is Communion Sunday, so if you're here, we'll have the little juice and the cup together. But if, if you're online, you need to get yours. Or if you would like the little cup and juice, if you'll call Christy, we can uh, set those out, or you can come to the office and pick those up so you'll have them next week. I'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 on Thursday if you would like to join that Zoom Bible study. Uh, let us know. And don't forget, send us your questions if you have any questions concerning the Christian faith that we may want to put on the podcast. Uh, for now, go in the grace of peace. May God have mercy upon all of us. Amen.